Part Four, Chapter Two of Canada's Hundred Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Canada's Hundred Days by John Livesay. Part Four, Chapter Two. Operations, October 6 to 16. Sir Arthur Curry describes the general situation at this period as follows, quote, While the Canadian Corps was tenaciously fighting to break through the hinge of the Hindenburg system of defense, the 3rd and 4th British armies were pushing forward through the devastated areas in the Somme, meeting everywhere strong and determined rear guards. The outer defenses of the Hindenburg line were captured by them on September 18 and 19, and a good position secured for the assault on the main defenses. The storming of the Canal du Nord line, which brought the Canadian Corps definitely behind the areas organized for defense, was immediately followed by the capture of the main Hindenburg line on the fronts of the 3rd and 4th Armies, and on October 8 and 10, the Scheldt Canal was crossed north of Cambrai. Cambrai was seized, and the German rearguards pushed back in open country to the Sal River. The Germans were falling back everywhere. They had now evacuated completely the Lees salient, and a portion of the ground east and south of Linz, but they were still holding a line west of Lille Douai and along the Canal de la Cincie. The Canadian Corps, although tired and depleted in numbers, began to push forward as soon as it had taken over the new front on the Canal de la Cincie, south of Douai. On October 14, the Second Army, in conjunction with Belgian armies and French detachments, attacked the northern part of the salient and precipitated the German retreat. While Cambrai was falling, and our 2nd Division was pushing out east of the city, the 1st Canadian Division had taken over its new ground north of the Scarp and was making headway on a front that had remained practically static since the Canadian Corps at the end of August had opened the Battle of Arras. North of the Scarp and of the Cincy, the line of enemy defenses was still intact, that is to say the Hindenburg line proper the Drocourt-Quillant line and subsidiary trench systems. It was the possession by the enemy of this terrain that so greatly added to the difficulties encountered by the Canadian Corps throughout their progress from Arras to Cambrai. The time had now come to break through and bring the northern flank into line with our advanced east of Cambrai, an area now transferred to the 22nd Corps. The Canadian Corps, led by the 1st Canadian Division, moving into the area that Corps had hitherto held. It followed, therefore, that while hitherto the 22nd Corps had occupied the center of the 1st Army front and the Canadian Corps its right, the positions were reversed, the Canadian Corps becoming the center, and the 22nd Corps, instead of being on our left, were henceforth to be our neighbors on the right, 
a position occupied by the seventeenth corps of the third army our neighbors on our left were now the eighth corps this being the left of the first army its remaining corps the first corps had been transferred with its sector on september twenty to the fifth army operating north of Linz. On the night of October 6-7, the 1st Canadian Division took up their new line south of the marshes of the Sensee and Scarpe from Pailu, where the Canal du Nord crosses the Sensee, west to Saïli in Ostrevent, and then northwest to biache saint vaast but keeping south of the little Trinquy Brook. The division therefore faced north, the 2nd Brigade being on the right and the 3rd Brigade on the left, with the 1st Brigade in support. They signaled their presence by a night raid across this watery waste into enemy territory, returning with an officer and 23 other prisoners, the first prisoners, by the way, captured in this sector during October. At 5 a.m. on October 8, a Chinese attack was put on all sound and fury with no intention of attacking in force, the object being to discover the enemy's strength. However, a post was pushed over and established across the river for purposes of observation. October 9, the line remained quiet, but early next morning our patrols pushed over and captured Saili, and then advanced some distance along the Kiant-Drocourt line capturing an officer and 47 other ranks. The object of this demonstration was, if possible, to pin the Bosch down to that front. He counterattacked in great strength, and our object being gained, we recrossed the river, leaving Saili again in his hands. These preliminaries had disclosed his dispositions, and at three o'clock next morning, October 11, a concerted night attack was made, in conjunction with the 8th Corps on our left, under cover of a great concentration of artillery. On our right, the 2nd Brigade crossed the Sensee at Tortekinna, from which the enemy had been blasted by our artillery, and seized the dominant feature, Montbedou, a hill to the northwest, the attacking troops being the 8th Battalion of Winnipeg on the right, the 5th Battalion Saskatchewan in the center, and 7th Battalion British Columbia on the left, with the 10th Battalion of Alberta in support. Canadian engineers speedily built bridges across, all the country being flooded, with only two practical causeways. On our left, the 3rd Brigade attacked with the 16th Battalion, Canadian Scottish of Western Canada on the right, and the 15th Battalion, 48th Highlanders of Toronto on the left, both crossing the Triqui and then advancing, the former in the direction of noyelle sous belon and the latter in the direction of Vitry in Artois on the Scarp, where contact was established with the 8th Corps, which had advanced from its line easterly, whereas our advance was due north, the design being to cut the enemy out of the triangle formed by the Triqui and the Scarp. The advance was continued throughout the day, and by nightfall the 2nd Brigade had captured Armel, Estrees, and Bellon, from two to 3,000 yards east, northeast, and north respectively, 
while the third brigade had pushed up to a line one thousand yards south of brebiera only five thousand yards southwest of douai thus on the same day that the second canadian division was capturing iwi about fifteen miles to the southeast the first canadian division holding fourteen thousand yards of front and attacking on a twelve thousand yard frontage employing only two brigades carried its line across a watery waste and penetrated in a northerly direction five to six thousand yards thus threatening to cut off the enemy's retreat through douai on our left the eighth british division had also a very successful day since october seven it had fought its way from just east of Opie through the friend rouvois line and now made a frontal attack on the drocourt quiant line north of the scarpe simultaneously with the turning movement of the first canadian division from the south Quote, at five ten a m the middlesex and devons attacked says the first army narrative and at seven a m the drocourt quiant line opposite was taken except for the town of vitry on the scarpe the way in which this formidable line was taken was ingenious and psychological a heavy barrage was put down not on the whole line attacked which would have pinned the enemy to fighting or his dugouts but only on the extreme southern part of the line then slowly very slowly one hundred yards in eight minutes but surely and inevitably it crept northwards extending along the german trenches the men in those trenches still free from death and destruction raining down further south saw it creeping 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 nearer and more near the tension was increased by the slowness of the barrage extension it was too much and the boche decided not to wait for what was coming but to get out while the opportunity offered a moving description but the psychology of the enemy seems to have changed somewhat since those bitter days six weeks before when the canadian corps drove him out of the drocourt quiant line on the south side of the scarpe meantime a platoon of the middlesex had crossed the scarpe at vitry this narrative continues and taken montmetier a commanding position about one thousand yards south of the river this was trespassing the south of the river was the canadian sector so to them it was handed over and its possession much assisted their advance our attack followed up the retiring enemy and by nightfall the line ran from well beyond beaumont round Cuinchy, a very pronounced central salient and back to the scarp about six hundred yards east of vitry the advance ranged from four thousand yards on the flanks to eight thousand in the center the berkshires were here and gave us much material and stores which the enemy had no time to remove or destroy from this moment until the eighth division in its victorious advance crossed the scarp and entered douay the enemy fought for every bit of ground using many concealed artillery and machine-gun positions while we had a great deal of wire to pass booby traps of varied and ingenious kinds were everywhere odd bits of timber apparently thrown carelessly down helmets strands of wire 
all among the harmless debris and material left by the retreating enemy. On October 12, the attack was continued, our first brigade coming into the line and a wide pivoting movement being carried out based on Arleux, which had been captured by the 56th British Division, now under the Canadian Corps command. All three brigades of the 1st Canadian Division advanced in line, their left flank sweeping the south bank of the Scarp, until by nightfall they had cleared the enemy out of the triangle formed by the Scarp, the Canal du Nord, and the Sensee, and held a line on the west bank of the Canal du Nord between Arleu and Corbenham. This marked in 30 hours an advance on the pivoting wing of 9,000 yards many prisoners, and a considerable number of machine guns being captured. The next few days were spent in preparing for a concerted attack by the Canadian Corps, whose divisions were now reunited. On the right, the 2nd Canadian Division, which had relieved the 11th British Division, and held a line from Bouchain west to aubenchul aubach was to cross the flooded area of the Sensee attacking in a northerly direction. In the center, the 4th Canadian Division, which was coming up in relief of the 56th British Division, was to make a similar attack from aubenchul aubach west to Arleu. And on the left, the 1st Canadian Division was to storm the line of the Canal du Nord north of the Sensee and advance in an easterly direction. The 3rd Canadian Division was under orders to relieve our 1st Division, but in the event, so swift was our advance that the relief could not be made until some days after the date determined. Sir Arthur Curry in his dispatch thus describes the events of these days, quote, The new front of the Canadian Corps, at 5 p.m. October 11, extended from iwi denain railway north of iwi to the scheldt canal at estron thence following the southern bank of the canal de la sensee to paluel thence crossing the sensee river at amel to the scarp river east of vitry the front was held by the second canadian division from the right to the scheldt canal the eleventh division from estron inclusive to aubenchul aubach exclusive the fifty sixth division from aubenchul aubach inclusive to paluel inclusive and the first canadian division from paluel exclusive to the western boundary the fronts of the eleventh and fifty sixth divisions were then stationary but on the front of the first canadian division Crossings had been forced over the Cinci and Trinquy rivers that morning, and the enemy was retiring, closely followed by battle patrols of the 1st Canadian Division. The 1st Canadian Division had relieved the 4th British Division in the line along the south side of the valleys of the Cinci and Trinquy rivers, from Paluel exclusive to the Scarp, during the nights of October 5 to 6 and 6 to 7 coming under orders of the 22nd Corps. The front had been a quiet one, the river valleys having been flooded by the enemy to an average width of from 300 to 400 yards, and the bridges destroyed. On the morning of October 8, 
the division carried out a Chinese attack with a view to ascertaining the enemy's probable action if attacked. Under the cover of the barrage, patrols succeeded in enlarging the small bridgehead across the river at Saili in Ostrabant, capturing 24 prisoners and two machine guns. The enemy was expected to withdraw shortly, and this barrage was repeated daily at dawn with the object of harassing the enemy and testing his strength. At 3 a.m. October 10, battle patrols were pushed out by the 3rd Canadian Infantry Brigade, Brigadier General G.S. Tuxford, from the bridgehead at Saili, and after capturing the village, they entered the drocourt Kiat line to the northeast. Thirty prisoners and six machine guns were sent back from Saili at daylight. A strong enemy counterattack, estimated at two battalions, overran the force in the Drocourt-Quillant line and recaptured Saili, driving our line back to the line previously held. On October 11, in conjunction with an attack on the left by the 8th Division, our troops forced their way over the narrow crossings of the Sinsi and Trinquis rivers in the face of considerable machine-gun fire, and pushed northwards and eastwards, meeting only resistance from isolated machine-gun nests. The performance of the first patrols in forcing their way across the narrow causeways, all stoutly defended by machine-guns, was a splendid achievement. By the night of October 11, the 1st Canadian Division on the left had reached the line Amel, S3, Noyel, all-inclusive, and at dawn October 12 pushed forward, clearing Adu and reaching the west bank of the canal from Palawel to the Scarp. On October 12, the line remained stationary between the Canal du Nord and the Scheldt Canal. East of the Scheldt Canal, the 2nd Canadian Division attacked at noon in conjunction with the 22nd Corps on the right and captured Ordain. Attempts to push forward to Basseville were, however, stopped by machine-gun fire. The restricted area and the inundated condition of the ground prevented further progress on this front until the troops on the right could get forward. It was apparent from many indications that the enemy was preparing to carry out a withdrawal on a large scale. Prisoners reported the evacuation of civilians and the removal or destruction of all stores. Also that roads and railways had been prepared for demolition. These statements were confirmed by our observers, who reported numerous and frequent explosions and fires behind the enemy's lines. On the Canadian Corps front, the divisions in the line were confronted by the Canal de la Sensee, and this in its flooded condition was a serious obstacle, the few crossings possible being narrow and easily defended. Orders were issued, however, that a policy of aggressive patrolling should be adopted to detect at the earliest moment any retirement, and that all preparations should be made for an immediate and rapid pursuit. Our patrols were most daring during the next few days, but no weak spot was to be found along the enemy front, our attempts at crossing the canal being stopped by heavy machine gun and rifle fire. During the night of October 12 to 13, the 2nd Canadian Division 
extended its left to aubencheul Bac exclusive, relieving the 11th Division in the line with the 4th Canadian Infantry Brigade, Brigadier General G. E. McQuaig on the right, and the 6th Canadian Infantry Brigade, Brigadier General A. Ross on the left. At this stage, the GOC 56th Division represented that his troops were too weak and tired to carry out the vigorous pursuit required in case of an enemy withdrawal. The 4th Canadian Division was therefore ordered to relieve the 56th Division by the morning of October 16, and in the meantime to place one brigade at the disposal of the GOC 56th Division to be used in following up the enemy. On October 13, the 10th Canadian Infantry Brigade, which had been resting in Arras, was accordingly moved up to Marquion and came into reserve under the 56th Division. During the early morning of October 13, the 56th Division crossed the canal and succeeded in establishing a bridgehead at aubigny Bac, capturing the village with 201 prisoners. At 10 p.m. the following night, however, an enemy counterattack in strength caused our withdrawal from the village, but the bridgehead was retained. The relief of the 56th Division by the 4th Canadian Division was carried out on the nights of October 14 to 15 and 15 to 16 without incident, and the former moved back to rest in the Arras Haute Avin Marui area, coming into Army Reserve. Patrols of the 1st Canadian Division succeeded in crossing the canal near Ferin on its left brigade front during the early morning of October 14, but meeting strong resistance, the parties withdrew, taking with them some prisoners and machine guns. End of Part 4, Chapter 2 Recording by James O'Connor, Randolph, Massachusetts December 2010